0: Welcome to Catherine Flynn's podcast, Intelligent Edge Yoga, conversations for smart, compassionate practice. Each episode will guide and inquire into ethics-based spirituality within a modern paradigm of practice. Whether your practice is yoga, Ayurveda, meditation, or simply living a life full of intention, this is for you. I'd like you to take a moment to consider supporting this podcast through Patreon. Your pledges enable the continuation of the podcast. Patrons will also receive exclusive resources, uh, behind-the-scenes material for instructors, guided yoga and meditation sessions for yogis, and everything in between. This is just the start of something new and exciting. You can be a part of it by going to patreon.com slash intelligent edge yoga and clicking on the large orange button. Thanks. Welcome to Intelligent Edge Yoga, yoga conversations for smart, compassionate practice with Katherine Flynn. I'm Catherine. Hi Yogi's, welcome back to the podcast. If you are listening before May 15th, just a reminder that you can sign up for the online Ayurveda Foundations program as registration closes May 15th. However, if you listen in the future, I'm sure I'll do it again. For today, however, my guest is someone who you will probably quickly gather that I am friends with. Over a drink at Christmas, I said to Megan Marie, why don't you come on my podcast? And I couldn't believe I'd waited that long to ask her. Megan Marie Gates is a queer sound practitioner, movement teacher, and creative artist based between Vancouver Island and Southern Ontario. Her love of storytelling, dance, and music was first manifest in a career in the performing arts before she delved into the world of yoga, meditation, and mysticism. Her work in the world is weaving sound meditations, songs, spells, conscious movement practices and poetry to offer regenerative resting grounds to nourish the imagination and cultivate a sense of enchantment and presence. She has been offering sound experiences and immersive sound trainings for the last five years in Canada and internationally. For more information about Megan Marie, visit meganmariegates.com or find her on Instagram as spirit.song. Without further ado, my conversation with Megan Marie Gates and the fade in and outs to our conversation are Megan Marie's own music. I hope you enjoy. hello hello
1: there we go (laughs) how are you
0: oh man i'm so many things all
1: things considered i'm good okay that's good how are you this is good also the same yeah i feel the exact same i think that lots of us are like what the but also like okay well this is just what we are doing right now
0: yeah yeah, you know we're all in it together, but we're experiencing it very differently.
1: Yeah, completely, completely. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're I'm making am, the I'm best of it dope. in Saskatchewan. I'm not in Saskatchewan. What? Where are you? I'm in I'm in Victoria. You
0: made it. They didn't trap you. In I Saskatchewan. did it. I thought no, not at all. <laughs> I thought maybe they'd keep you to try and like up their quotient of liberals.
1: Well, my mom was trying, but it didn't work. I was there for two weeks, and then I was like, "I gotta go, I gotta, I gotta complete this journey, so I feel like I can land somewhere after feeling displaced for so long." So, oh man,
0: you made it, it to be yeah, I'm so I jealous. Did it. <laughs> Are there cherry blossoms it's,
1: yet? Yeah, there's. It's all cherry blossoms. Oh, it's so. It's beautiful. all flowers. Yeah. Yeah. British Columbia is just Forgot so about supportive that
0: part of, of it. life. It's so easy to be a oh, good yeah. gardener there.
1: Yeah, completely. Completely. It's just bananas. So, yeah, so that, that it's been a very sweet spot to land in because even just because of that, like just having life around me in that way, like everything is exploding right now. And, um, and that's that's also been been helpful for my soul a little bit
0: and that's that's 360 degrees for you cuz didn't you go to uvic
1: i went to i went to um ccpa which is a performing arts college out here so yeah it's i see. Yeah, i just made up totally,
0: that you went to uvic cuz i know you went to school in victoria so.
1: yeah i know but everybody assumes that and that's okay.
0: so what awesome. is ccpa
1: Canadian College of Performing Arts and it was a three-year program when I did it and it was it was just yeah it was just nuts it was like everything under the the realm of acting and movement and singing and physical theater and clown and like just everything and um
0: my friend Paloma did a PhD in she was studying circus arts Oh, my God. And kinesiology. And she she worked with the with the circus school there uh, associated with Cirque du Soleil. And oh. she maintained that clowning is the hardest, the hardest of all the arts that Cirque du Soleil has. Wow. Because she felt that it was the most um, it, it was the most refined and methodical art. She said, where yes, the contortionists like you're either born a contortionist or you're not.
1: <laughs> yes. Yep. Agreed. It is hard. Like even the little bit of clown that we did um, at at CCPA was like really, really, really difficult. Because you, you, for me, and I think for many of us who were in that program, we were like, "Oh, it's clowning. Like, ain't nothing to it." But then you get into it, and you're like, "Holy shit, this is like really hard, <laughs> really hard." So I, I agree with your friend deeply. So what was your main program was musical theater?
0: Yes. So were you, did you star in Guys and Dolls? Please tell me you did. I
1: didn't, I didn't, but almost. Um, We did, we did lots of different musicals and lots of different plays and lots of Shakespeare. And um, the musical that we did in our third year was called City of Angels. Mm. And it's like a film noir musical. And it's, it's amazing. And, uh, but we didn't do Guys and Dolls. We did music from Guys and Dolls, but we didn't do the whole thing. (laughs) So
0: you, you did a degree in musical theater and then, and then did you act?
1: Yeah. So uh, I got started in musical theater when I was in grade 11 and it just, like, exploded everything that was, like, all the potential that was lying dormant in me of, like, the things that I really loved and doing it all together. But I loved acting the most. So even though it was a musical theater program, it wasn't just just focused on um, on doing musicals. It was... Lots of different kinds of stuff, like Brechtian plays, mm. and um, yeah, and and Shakespeare, and and everything under the sun. So even though we were dancing, we're singing, we're doing all of that. Um, it kind of ran the entire gamut of theater, which was awesome. Because what was cool about the program that I did is that it. It didn't, when you auditioned, they weren't looking for people who were triple threats. They were looking for people who were really strong in one or two that they saw potential in like expanding those things within them. So.
0: And for the non musical theater nerds, the triple threat is?
1: The triple threat is a dancer, singer, actor Mm -hmm. all at once. Um, And yeah, and that was. That was really fantastic. But I once I graduated, I did a lot of musical theater and then my first equity contract, which is like the the union for for performers. Yeah, so everyone's uh, trying to
0: get equity jobs because exactly. you need credits. Is this correct?
1: Yeah, you need when i was when I was doing theater, um you needed three professional equity, contracts before you can actually join equity and then there's all these in between like you were building your credit so that you could join the union which also like it wasn't always the best thing to do because if you were equity you couldn't audition for non-equity roles and sometimes non-equity so yeah so then I, I did a few plays I I did a couple um, roles in, in Shakespeare plays I did a bunch of musicals throughout Canada. And, uh, and then I landed in a yoga teacher training. <laughs>
0: and then you were <laughs> like, you know what? I just want to earn more money and follow my passion. Oh
1: my God. Oh yoga. my God. My poor mother, my poor mother.
0: Has she been supportive throughout?
1: Yeah, she's been supportive. I think that she recognized in me right from the get go that I was I was moving to my own drum and that there wasn't, it was either you can like stop, stop the fairy from doing like the fairy things that don't really make sense to everybody else in the family, or the fairy seems to kind of have like a, a good inner compass. So, you know, through that support and, and, and that, like just make good decisions. So she, she instilled a lot of trust in myself because she trusted me to, make good decisions and to experiment and try things on. And, and she also just saw how passionate I was about the things that I was involved into and how much of my heart was there.
0: Well, the world, the world needs to know that maybe you actually were more successful at that clowning class uh, than you thought, because we met when we were both teaching at the same yoga festival and I watched you and a mutual friend, Mark, uh, in the rain on the lawn Pretending yeah. to be cows. <laughs> yeah, it's true, we did. I was like, Oh, I'm gonna be friends with that person. <laughs>
1: that was like one of my favorite one of my favorite moments of any yoga festival that had nothing to do with the practice.
0: Yeah. Wow. It's Leaning into the bit. situation.
1: It's true. Don't know very, very, very true.
0: Don't know if there's anything more yogic than that.
1: That's very true. Very, very, very true.
0: Yep. And so, and you were, what were you doing? I actually don't know what you were doing that festival. What were you teaching?
1: I was teaching at that point, I was teaching an asana class, uh, um, a practice that was both flow and then a little bit of restorative and meditation at the end. And I probably sang to people at the end of that. But that was the, that was kind of the bridge year before I got really deep into sound meditation and offering sound.
0: Um, And so up to that point, you've been teaching mm -hmm. more vinyasa style classes in Toronto? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was teaching full time in Toronto. I was teaching primarily flow and vinyasa practices, but also um, meditation and restorative too.
0: Do you remember the first time you decided you were going to sing to
1: people? I, uh, when did I... When was that? I feel like it was probably definitely at 889 when I was teaching there because I felt so supported by that community. And I felt like, well, what if I, what if I can bridge this, this little gap between the things that I used to do for a living and, and, and I still love to use my voice and like, how do you bring that into a space? So like everyone lay down and get sung to at the end, lullaby style. I'm pretty sure it was at the end of one of the classes at 889 that I was teaching in the evenings.
0: And then did it become regular?
1: Yeah, it became regular.
0: And did they love it?
1: They did love it.
0: Yeah. What are, what were some of your... Did you just make them up, or did you lean into classics?
1: As far as singing at the end of classes?
0: Hmm. I say so classic, I, and what does that even mean? That could... <laughs> <laughs> the classic lullabies, know, classic classical was it classic? Indian
1: music. I well, that's that's actually a great question. I think that at the beginning, um, I I always really loved. So a good friend of mine uh, was teaching me about toning and sounding as a form of singing, and and toning and sounding is just simply extended vowel sounds. Um used in whatever pitch, whatever note, and you can dance with them, but they're they're just open sound. so there are no lyrics or words that are attached to them, which can be really, really powerful for the person who's using their voice, but also for people just to take in sound without lyrics or without mm-hmm. um, words on top of of an experience. So you're just taking in sound and creating the story or the imagery or the feeling from that without the overlay. So I feel like I was doing a lot of that right away, the ooze and the ahs and the <laughs> the intuitively moving with with sound that way. And then sometimes I would I would bring in mantra or or chanting as well too. Um, which I don't do so much now anymore. But
2: Why the yeah change? it was
1: well, well, Catherine. <laughs> I feel like the change for me is is this digging of what I feel like I truly um, embody and understand, and the the roots and the lineages that I come from, and being respectful to the ones that I don't, and even though I have. I've dedicated a lot of time and knowledge and money and all those things to educating myself about chanting and mantra from India specifically. I feel a little gritty right now with using, using those, um, those chants and those sounds as much as I used to, because I, I feel like I still don't fully, 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 understand or have those bloodline connections to that place. And and I'm still sitting with what it means to be uh, a middle-class white woman who's in the spirit arts in Canada using languages and Sanskrit and chanting that are not from my direct own background. And I'm, I'm not, I, I don't know what the answer to that is. I just feel like over the last couple of years, delving into, um, cultural appropriation and where, what that looks like for me and my practice and the communities that I serve. I just don't know right now. I'm in the gray zone of, of feeling into that. And because of that, I've, I've kind of just stepped back with love and and appreciation for those practices without offering them as much anymore especially with chanting and and mantra as well
0: it sounds like the the some of the the specifically vocal sound work that you're doing is intuitive and self-generated not that it's without method yes but if it if it comes from that inner spring, I think that's a very interesting thing to explore. Uh, that's, that's perhaps a little less gritty.
1: Yes. Agreed. Deeply agreed. So you're doing that right now. I'm doing that right now. And you've been yeah. doing
0: that for a while. So we met, what was, what year was that?
1: Twenty. What year was that?
0: 14 15.
1: or 15? I think it was 2014.
0: Yeah. And, and so that was the year that you made the shift more towards sound. Yes. And so were you initially, were you lugging around crystal bowls to all of your classes? <laughs> Cause I remember you rode a bike mostly around the city. Like you had your good yeah. cardio in between your classes.
1: I did. I did. It took me, a, so it took me a really, really long time to, purchase my own bowls and to start building instrumentation of my own because sound at that point, like when we met, I had been really deeply immersed in the study of what was, what is like most popularly called sound healing or sound meditation at that point for about three years. And I, I sang with, a few of my friends and I played the bowls with a few of my friends, but I just felt like I needed to keep, to keep understanding the, the what and the why of what this was. And it it was so deeply, deeply affecting to, to me and how I was existing in the world and my own sound based practices. So it wasn't until 2000, I think 2014, 2015, that I bought my first two bowls, and that's how I started. And I, I like would wrap the shit out of these bowls and put them in a, a very tiny, um, like duffel bag. And I can't remember how I would bring them to places because you're right, like, I biked everywhere in the city, that's how I got around. Um, Maybe it was the subway. Like, if I had bowls, maybe I brought them on the subway, in the train. But uh, I only had two at that point.
0: Because people might not know if they haven't looked into it that those things are expensive.
1: Oh God, they're so expensive.
0: The first time they're I so I found out what a crystal bowl was, it was um, because I was I was doing some communications for Ashana. Is that how you say it? Yes. And so I was, (laughs) I was preparing some, some media stuff and there was a a YouTube, uh, there was a video of her saying that she provided consultation services on choosing your bowls. And I remember questioning uh, another yogi and saying, you know, why would you hire someone to help you pick a bowl? and. And she said, "Oh well, you know, it's very special, and there's a heart connection, and they're super expensive." And I looked at the website that Ashana was recommending, and I remember seeing a bowl that was twenty four hundred US dollars. Yeah.
1: yeah,
0: and and thinking, I don't, I just don't see a way. For, I just don't see how, <laughs> how that possibly is going to increase um, the the benefit of what I offer at twenty four hundred US dollars. I
1: <laughs> Yeah, those bowls, the the Ashana bowls or or for for those of you who haven't looked into these yet, they're called alchemy bowls. And they're like little pieces of art, those bowls. And they little pieces of art. They're they're made very, 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 very well. Like the resonance on those things is, is absolutely mind-blowing. And like there are people out there who have so many of them that they could easily buy a house with with how how expensive these bowls are. Wow. Um, so, yeah, those, those are the ones that you were looking at.
0: Okay, so you That's didn't.
1: So funny. You yes. didn't
0: start off with those. Oh my god, no. You started no. off with your order from Amazon?
1: Basic old crystal singing bowls. No, the the two that I bought were from the states. Um but like now that I know a little bit more about where bowls come from, like I don't know where in in the states this one place that I got them from if they're actually made there or if they're made in Asia and then shipped there and then they ship them from there. There's just so many, so many threads Mm -hmm. in that process, but I bought them from the States and they were a 12 inch bowl and a 10 inch bowl and they fit in together really beautifully. And they, they were heavy, but they were not $2,400. They were, small enough for me to cart around, which I couldn't do now, but I I could do then. And, um, yeah, just your, your basic crystal frosted crystal bowls,
0: your basic frosted crystal bowls. And so did you launch into, um, you know, Megan Marie's sound healing services, (laughs) all problems can be vibrated away. and i'm being cheeky and and, and no, i, I know, think I extremely love- highly of what you do but we yes. this is the direction yes. we're going in
1: so i have never once thought ever that sound could be this this universal curative for all the things that it now it is kind of said to depending on who you're asking what i loved um at the beginning specifically was how enchanted people were by by the sounds that were created. And I used those bowls only really at the end of my yoga sessions at the beginning as well. Um, and it was just for lullabies. It was just to to welcome people into hopefully deeper, slower states. In their Shavasana, because I've always found that when my teachers have sung to me or played live music at the end of a class, I will go a lot deeper. So, from my experience, um, I wanted to bring that into my classes as well. Uh, And it wasn't, it actually wasn't until probably, I don't know, maybe uh, six months after I got those bowls that. I welcomed in another few to have a whole set and then started doing sound meditations with yoga teachers by myself, different studios. At that point I had moved out of Toronto. I was living with my then partner in Prince Edward County and, uh, and then that's when it started, and that's when I stopped teaching so much, and when when the demand became a little bit bigger for sound meditations or sound baths.
0: And it really is. I mean, it it really is the the sound experience. We've done a number of events together, yes. And I will always be amused by the memory of a class that we taught that was m- m- gentle to moderate. I I did the asana. You did the sound. And there were a number of people who made it abundantly clear they were not there for yoga asana oh and God. just yes. ignored me, which was fine. That was the invitation, but mm, it uh, it it definitely made it very clear who the draw was, yeah, right? Right. Um and so, you know, I think I've gone back through some of our copy when we've done more recent events and I realized that I and I think I wrote the copy and I used the word healing. Mm-hmm. And and I took it out for more recent events. Um you know, as we as we go on this path, we grow more discerning in our use of language. And yeah. so, you know, I, I'm telling Let's talk about why the phrase sound healing is difficult. And if it's not sound healing, then what?
1: Okay. Awesome. So for a very long time, I was calling the the offerings that I was doing sound healing. I never felt great about the term sound healer because I, in inside my own heart, I was like, okay, but, but how will I ever know if I'm actually healing anyone? And There was just a big red flag about that for me. It was also a big red flag when other people were calling themselves sound healers. Um, But I think that the person that brought the the conversation or the idea about the, the term sound healing being problematic was one of my sound meditation teachers who, if you're interested in sound, anybody out there, He's a wonderful person to to read his work. He's an ethnomusicologist. He's based in New York, and his name is Alexandre Tenous. And he had this huge conversation or this this video and many blog posts about how, you know, the sovereignty of 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 people coming into the space that you're holding or the offering that you are are inviting them to be a part of those people are the healers of their their own bodies, their own uh, inner workings, all of that by being there. And sound meditation isn't necessarily me coming into a room and then having somebody um, bathe me in sound without me actually being a part of it. Like we are invited to be active listeners within those sound experiences. Um, instead of just being there and having someone wash sound all over us and us not, and us being completely passive. So I'm deeply passionate about the conversation of, of people being their, their own medicine practitioners and their own healers in that way. And that I can never, ever, ever, ever know what is going to heal each person that's in a space with me, um, what they find to be healing, what they find to be therapeutic. I can't make that assumption ever. So by taking sound healing out of the equation, it's it becomes more about the people who are there and them having their own experiences, whether it is healing or not. Because again, I can't ever assume that healing is going to happen in anything that I offer. If it does, awesome. But that looks so different for people.
0: Well, I think that's probably one of the challenges of what you do is that at, at least with yoga asana, you watch moving bodies and, and the more experienced you are at watching moving bodies, the better you are at assessing feedback yes. from what you're seeing. And, Absolutely. And so you do your best to offer the most nourishing practice you can for the most number of people in the room. But I don't think any teacher ever pretends that the practice they offer is the best for every single person in the room. Yes.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But I think that's probably challenging about what you do because you don't know.
1: No, you don't know. And it's, it's, I mean, that's a part of what drives me absolutely crazy about the, the sound, the sound meditation world right now with, with its languaging and, and everything is like, we can't know. And also the, the work that is being done is so subtle. You're you're working with people's nervous systems. You're working with um, very different sounds than people are used to hearing every day, too. And yeah, and and I just so does I it. Mean, I,
0: does it have the potential to damage?
1: One thousand percent, it does. And it does. Like there, there have been, there have been. If I'm being totally, totally honest, there are more sound baths and meditations that I've gone to that have hurt my physical ears, like the the actual mechanisms and the the body of my ears, and have sent me into tailspins of anxiety and all of that because, like, happens. What happens so much within these these kinds of practices is when they get more popular or people. Um, go to a sound bath and are like, Oh, my God, like, I want to do this, I want to offer it, it made me feel so good. And people have no education or, or deep delving in the understanding of, of how to play instrumentation, or how to set up a space or, or brainwave function, or what what sounds can can do to a nervous system or how the ear works and, and all of that, that there's It's really, really problematic, especially with people playing instrumentation way too loud for way too long.
0: I remember one participant asking me if you put bowls on people and then played them. Right. Is that a thing?
1: It's a thing that I don't do. I don't do that. Um, There are, specifically with Himalayan bowls, there's all these. Which I'm not, I'm not well versed in. I I haven't, I haven't done any training in the Himalayan, or better known as Tibetan bowls, where uh, they yes. place <laughs> the bowls yes, that, that aren't, are, yeah, brilliant. the brass bowls. Yes, the brass ones, where you put them um, on different parts of your body, and because they're more weighted and not as breakable as crystal mm. bowls, that you can do really incredible. Um, things with them that way. I'm just not well versed in it. So, um, and anytime that I see people putting crystal bowls on bodies I'm like, do you know how breakable that bowl is? And like, if somebody moves just a little bit, that bowl's going, it's going down. But
0: is there a, do you think that there's a, do you think, I mean, aside, aside from you know, a lack of formal education. Well, what's formal in this realm, really? Yeah, but sure. a, a lack of education, a lack of method. Aside from that, do you think people are mistaking, we see it in the yoga world all the time that people yeah. associate, um, feelings with, uh, like specific feelings with progress and with benefit. Mm-hmm. And often it's loud, louder feelings. Right. And so I right. wonder if, if they're sort of transporting that idea over to sound meditation that, you know, bigger, louder, more vibratory means extra benefit.
1: Sure. One. Th- so well put 1000%. I mean, there, there was a sound bath that I did recently in Ontario where a, a couple participants came up to me after with questions. Cause some, sometimes people will come up and, and ask, um, and this woman was saying to me that one of her uh, one of her therapeutic workers was had a really big one really huge crystal singing bowl and at the end of each of their sessions, she would play this bowl so loud <laughs> that it felt like uh the participant was going to um, like her heart rate went up and she felt really dizzy and, and almost like her nervous system was going, being set on fire basically. And she asked me like, but how the, how the, um, the healer was, was presenting it was that this is to clear you before you leave this session. So like this loud sound is, is clearing And my, like, it drives me crazy. It makes me deeply, deeply furious that there's so much, there's such a lack of care in, in that act. And then also to say, like, this is clearing because it's really loud is like, where did you learn that from? Listen, I am I am deep, deep, deep into the the mystical, magical side of of sound and the things that we may not have words for, and the different experiences that people have, and and the magic that comes out of that. I'm also. It's really important to be also based in uh, science and understanding of what's happening in the body and what's happening to your ears and. Playing something really, really, really loud in a small room with one other person is not clearing. You just set this person up for um, anxiety and confusion. Mm-hmm. And and a few other people were listening to our conversation and said, "Wow, that's so interesting. So many of the sound baths that I go to, the bowls are played so loud the entire time." And I just want to ask why, like, what, what, why, why do we think that that's, that that's important? Or why do we think that that's more effective? Um, and what is the effect that you're trying to create in that way? You know,
0: I know, at least in my life, in my immaturity, I didn't realize how much skillfulness there was to being gentle.
1: Oh, Yes. Reach one hundred percent. I
0: I do want I I wanna circle back because there's another question that I know you get often, but I'm gonna put a pin in it for now because okay. we've talked about some of the the damage that bulls can do. And I've I used to teach in a studio that had a number of gongs around and And some people love gong meditations and some people find them really rattling. Yes. Yep. But what does sound do? So if it's not healing, what are the benefits of sound? What's happening that, that make people so melty?
1: Okay. So assuming that whoever is, is applying sound or offering sound is doing it in a way that is not, um, destructive or disruptive what happens when we're in sound meditations is is that there's this practice of deep listening where you're able to close off the eyes and start to tune into the the sonic landscape around you and and with sound baths it's supportive intentional sound that's being created by whoever's offering it through many different instruments and what's so beautiful about the instruments that are that are out there now to be used by sound practitioners is that because of their complex makeup as far as their frequencies and their sounds go if we're listening deeply our brain waves just specifically Will often start to slow down, and they'll start to swoop into those deeper, slower states, which are accessing those, you know, deep, deep meditative uh, relaxation. Often, creative. There are so many people who talk about having like deeply psychedelic experiences as well, too. More of the trance states. Um, and within those states, because so many of us, even as we're going to sleep or or trying to rest or trying to relax, we're in high, uh, beta, we would say, uh, processing and cognitive function brainwave when really we're trying to get into those deeper states to eventually go so deep into the Delta realm that we get into, uh, sleep and, I see it so often in, in sound meditations where people who have insomnia, um, really hard time resting or, or finding that space to uh, soften, that they go into those states very quickly. Like there's some, there's some people who will enter a sound bath, it will be playing for five minutes and they're out and they're out the entire time. Um, and I think that the healing aspect of it Could be that getting into those states of rest and stillness and even um, nourishment in the imagination is healing. Like in that way, I, I understand. I understand the the languaging behind that of like we repair and we integrate and we digest so much better and more effectively when we are rested. So that's just one part of what we're doing. We're also opening up our ears. We're, we're tuning into sound, which kind of tends to be the uh, secondary sensory experience, especially in today's world when we're so focused on computers and sight and, and our phones and all of that too, um, which seems to be also very therapeutic
0: how many how many people ask you at the end of these sessions if they can hire you to sing them to sleep?
1: <laughs> I get a lot of like, how can I put you in my pocket mm-hmm. and just pull you out at night to lullaby me? And I, I like I truly, truly, truly love lullabying to people so much that I I really wish that I could do that. <laughs> be happy just to like ferry around and sing people to sleep. That would be the best.
0: Do you have, actually, this is, I should say this to the end, but do you have, do you have, you have an album, don't
1: you? I do. I have a tiny little EP, but my partner and I were talking about this today and um, we're going to actually record something this weekend. Amazing. Yeah. And he knows lots and lots and lots about how to do that. Whereas I don't, (laughs) so it'll be It, it's coming.
0: I'll fall asleep the answer to is you. Is that it's
1: coming. Yeah. I'd love to sing you to sleep.
0: So another question that you got. Yes. Is, is around the chakras. Yep. And you know, if, if my third chakra is out of whack, it's just a little, <laughs> it's just a little tight. Needs some sound <laughs> rubbing. <laughs> oh my God. Which bowl mm-hmm. do I get? Because again, so for people who are listening, they might not know that, that it is very common for these bowls to be said to be, uh, no, they are a particular note. That's a fact, Yes, but the, the note is supposed to be resonant with a particular chakra. Yes. Right. And so if you want something to change specifically associated to that chakra, get this bowl Yes. Give it a ding. Yeah. And there's
1: and then off you go.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's not how you do things.
1: It's not how I do things. I think I want to start. I want to start this part of the conversation by saying, like, if, if you are somebody who has been told that certain notes activate certain energy points in your body, and you have, you know, moved into that belief system with great passion and excitement and all of that it's okay to um have your mind changed with that a little bit and it's also okay if it's also okay if that has been your belief in the past this is my (laughs) this is my thought on it from working with sound for a really long time um I don't ever ever go by the chakra system for sound based practices and and to be honest n- no practices period of anything that I do are connected to that system and the main simplest reason for that is because people experience different notes and different sounds completely differently from one person to another. So my biggest hope and wish within the sound meditations that I offer is to get people just to feel exactly how they feel which with each thing, each sound, each experience um, that they are having for me to say that an f bowl is going to activate your heart i don't know that i don't i don't know that the f bowl is going to activate your heart and in fact it it if you put a bunch of people into a room and you play the the sounds of the the chakras and those notes everyone is going to feel those sounds in completely different spaces and places and sometimes not at all so there's so many people who come up to me after the end of sound meditations and ask what chakra is that for? And my question back is always, well, where did you, where did you experience those sounds? And I think people are, are often more comfortable having those blueprints of, of experiencing and feeling, and still kind of being told how to feel or like what this will activate and what this is good for instead of really being in the experience of how do I feel? Like, did I like the sound of that? Do I feel it in my heart or did I feel that in my big toe? Um, So it's more important for me that people just throw that out the window and have their own experiences. If you're purchasing bowls, don't buy them with the idea that like, you're going to get a seven set of bowls and that you're going to have a cleared chakra system. Cause I'm not even sure what that even means or looks like anymore and kind of never did. Um, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of overlays that take people out of their own experience to say like, well, the A-bowl will activate your third eye chakra. And what does that,
0: yeah. You know, it, just the other day I was thinking, I need some wind chimes. Because um, yeah. we have a lot of trees and one of them, maybe two of them, needs a couple wind chimes. Yes. And uh, actually, there's a quick funny story. My parents, who you know, uh, yes. we went through this phase where for some reason... Every time we we're in the backyard, someone would start humming the theme to Schindler's List. Oh my gosh! Uh, because it's a beautiful song. But then yeah. we realized the wind chimes were off kilter, <laughs> and oh they were just god. playing the first two repeating notes, um, which is how the song opens. Oh my god! So we we corrected them. <laughs> But you would, you know, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't pick up wind chimes and then ask, you know, what kind of birds is this going to attract? Like, right. You would just pick them up and let them dangle and then see if you like that one. Put that down and try the next one.
1: Yes. 100%. And, and also like someone brought this up actually in the last, um, sound training that I led in the County of how. Really, if you boil it down as well, like the people who are making these bowls selling chakra set, sets is also like a great way to sell a lot of bowls. Yeah. Too. You know, like there's that part of all of this as well, too. Um,
0: yeah, it's, but, it's familiar. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it also, totally. it, it, it creates, a, um, I mean, especially depending on where you're buying them, if you're buying them online, I know I've looked at some sound meditation tools and you play the recording, but it's not,
1: it's not the same, it's not
0: quite the same thing. Yeah, it
1: definitely isn't. Yeah. And it, I mean, for folks who, who are interested in, in buying a bowl or buying a sound meditation tool, it's go by if you like the sound or not, not what, what we, what we think that it's going to do to us or to other people. And for those of you who have, you know, I know so, so, so many people who have um, sets of Chakra bowls from, from a, all the way up to G and and those are awesome sets because then you have the full spectrum but if you take the the chakras out of it and you play them like what is what is the feeling of it for you and and how how do you experience those different notes and those different sounds just with that blank slate and and how can we offer that more to people where it's just about having your own experience and and yeah i th- I just think that that's i think it can be more potent for more people with less overlays mm. you know mhm, mhm, I do, although. <laughs> give it to me.
0: What's the fine line? Because another thing we've talked about um and it's already come up in d- different words is there's a balance between intuition and then just making things up. Yeah. Although it's it's very different if you're just making it up for yourself compared with making it up for a room full of people.
1: Yeah. So I, I mean, it's interesting because a lot of the the lingo with with sound practices now are like these are these are intuitive offerings, which 100% they're intuitive offerings. That's one of the most beautiful things about the bowls and about these instruments is that you can pick them up and play them, and then set them down and do something else, and and there's. You need time with your instruments. Bowls are not easy to play. They're not easy to play well. We need we need time with them, um, but they're not like playing a piano or playing a guitar and understanding the the theory of all of that. Um, and at the same time, we also need a base of understanding how our instruments play the arc of how we're creating things and that that foundation that allows you to dance on on top of of what you're offering um, and you can tell like you can tell when you go to sound baths where people have like their arc and they they know their instruments and they know how to weave, it's almost like storytelling in a way of the instruments that they're going to play and, and that. And then people who are like, this is intuitive and just have no regard of like how your brain waves or, or how to keep those brain waves low and slow and, and to keep people in a, in a softer place rather than waking people up through loud sounds or, or too many changes and and that sort of thing. Um, is that the question?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it is. And guess where it leads us? Tell me. (laughs) It leads us to my dad's most recent educational endeavor. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm, I'm laughing that way because like my dad is the cutest and I'm extremely confident he does not listen to this podcast. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, to which my mother has been like, don't, it's not personal. You know, he, he thinks the world of you. <laughs> okay. oh, it's fine. man! Uh, but he so also thinks the world of you. And so my dad did a, a sound meditation course with you. Yes. A program.
1: What's it called? Mm-hmm. It's called sound work. And uh, it's a weekend immersion that I've been running for the last couple years, twice a year in Prince Edward County in Ontario. And that's where your dad came and did it last year, last year.
0: Yeah. Last year. And I mean, gosh, how do you say, how do you say what's coming, but is there anything coming?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, as far as training goes, there was supposed to be a training at the end of May and that has been flipped to an online program. Um, which I still have a few spots left it'll be it's going to end up being four days with a couple of extra things um on there but the exact same programming as it would have been for the weekend but there is another weekend coming up in September that will be happening I'm I'm sure of it
0: so the online program when does it when does the online program begin
1: the online program begins the end of May. So I believe it's the it's May 28th until the 31st.
0: Okay. And people can sign up
1: at people can sign up on my website which will be updated today, which will be updated by the time that this comes out. Mm-hmm. Um meganmariegates.com and there's all sorts of information on there, including how you can sign up for the the online program as well too. Um, it'll be a new experience. I haven't done the the weekend in a virtual way yet just because I love I just love being in rooms with people and and the intimacy of that. so
0: yeah um, and the the co-regulation right? It's, yes yes <laughs> yeah
1: I'm so, trying not to be said about it but
0: yeah and the september one if it goes ahead and and fingers crossed i really hope uh where is that
1: that will be in prince edward county again um i'm going to be even though i've moved across the country to uh, victoria and vancouver island i'm still going to be out in ontario often because so much of my communities are out there. And my, my closest friends are out there too. So September, it'll be the 25th until the 27th in Prince Edward County at a space out there. And
0: until, you know, if people want to uh, partake of your sound and not necessarily your trainings, the album is, the album is forthcoming, but I opened Instagram the other day, which was great because I deleted the app a while ago but I'd put it back on for something else. And then the first thing that popped up was Megan Marie Gates is live. And so, yeah, 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 man. I was listening to you while I was doing the dishes. Oh, that's so nice. It was so nice.
1: I love that. I put you in a
0: mug so that you would be louder. Oh my god. Yes. You know that trick where you put your phone I in? I do. Go, yeah, yeah, I
1: do it with my bowls if I don't have um if I don't have a, a speaker with me and I want to play music right before the a sound bath, I'll put my phone in one of the bowls. Clever. So clever. are
0: are you, do you think you're going to do more of those?
1: Oh yeah, I'm going to do them weekly at least. I've been doing them Thursday nights um, Eastern Standard Time at 8 p.m. on IG live and that's been deeply touching and so strange (laughs) and wonderful because I feel like I would fade into nothing if I wasn't playing and singing and just doing some kind of offering. So yeah, so I'm on there that that uh, platform has been very good to me as far as good sound and accessibility for people go. But yeah, do you accept? Do you accept payment? I accept donations if people have the means to, they can, they can do that. Um, or, and, and for those who, who can't, that's also cool too. We're all in very strange places right now. So Mm
0: -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's a kind offering. It's a kind offering and it's a very, very special one.
1: Thank you. I love, I love it. I love doing it.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Thank you, Catherine. I love you. I love you so much. Bye for now. Bye, darling. (laughs)
2: i <laughs>